We are glad that you're here this morning, and especially for you who are here for the first time, we're uh, especially glad for that. Um, and we hope that you'll be able to uh, pick up some information about our church as you uh, leave uh, later on this morning and uh, find out more about our our church and our ministry here and what God's doing. So, we'd like to get started here. Um, this is, a, an, again, a, uh, the first of the month we remember and celebrate the Lord's Supper uh, and participate in communion, and that's what we have before us. And I, I'd like to uh, have you take a look at Ephesians chapter 4 as we get started on this new year, and I think a very appropriate uh, message for us as we start out the new year as an individual, a family, as a, as a church congregation. And um, it will affect our lives. It can make a, a difference in our community. And uh, it's basically, here we go. Uh, let's walk. Let's have a worthy walk. And so that's the title of the message, and we've come here to a pivotal place in Ephesians. Uh, last fall, Brennan and I shared uh, the teaching about Ephesians 1 through 3, and that really set the foundation for the church. And that's what chapters 1, 2, and 3 are about, setting the foundation. And um, we've been led by Paul's writing and the uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to in chapters 1, 2, and 3, to the creative genius of salvation. You know who that is. It's not Billy Graham. It's not Charles Spurgeon. It's God. God himself is the creative genius behind our salvation. He's the author. He's the initiator. He's the activator of it. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it was God who started that work in you. You might not have recognized that right away, but it was God who started that. Even if you were growing up in a faithful Christian family, it was God who was generating that and passing it along. You know, we've received the gospel message through generations of believers but God's the one who keeps driving it. God's the author of it. It's God's word. And so in God's word, we find the salvation that's being offered to mankind. Okay? So it's about this sovereign God of the universe. He's the one who designed your salvation. He's the one who has orchestrated your salvation. Our response is to be grateful for that. Okay? And it's all by His grace you responded to the message of salvation all because of God's grace being poured out through Jesus Christ. Okay? And it's all in so many varied ways. You know, it might have been in a dramatic way for some of you. It might have been in a slow, steady progress for some of you and all of a sudden the light came on. But it was all about God doing His work, God being faithful, God being good. Right? After all, we didn't deserve it. You know, we've, we've kind of hinted to this in the past. The, the best person in here didn't deserve it. Just like the worst person doesn't deserve it. 
because it's, we've all sinned against God. And praise be to his name. Praise be to God for his salvation. That's really what Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 lay out for us. So that now when you respond, you're in Christ. You are in Christ by faith. And you enjoy a position before God that is labeled in Ephesians 1 as what? Holy and blameless. Not because of your effort, but because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Okay? So it's a done deal. It's done. Your, your position is complete. Your position is perfect in Christ. But there's a problem. And that's why we have chapter 4, 5, and 6. And the problem is, we don't always feel like this what our position tells us. We don't always walk in the way our position is, identifying us as. Okay? So, in chapter 4, there's a big shift. Okay? The shift from here's our position, or here's the doctrinal basis, to our practice, or what some say is our duty, or our behavior, our conduct. Here's, it's just a big shift. But it, 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 goes smoothly from one chapter into the other because Paul is saying, here's what we know, here's what we stand on, now here's how we ought to live. Here's how we must live. So through Paul's explanation in chapters 1 through 3, he leads us to take this 1 through 3 doctrinal foundation and put it into action. Chapters 3, 4, um, four 5, and 6. Take what we know, here's our position, and now move it into action, into, specifically, a worthy walk with the Lord. A worthy walk. And that's what Paul urges us to do. So, he, he begins in chapter 4 by saying, I therefore, the pris- a prisoner of, for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Okay? So now he's putting feet into it, action into it. The urgency of this walk is found there in verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1. And the urgency of this walk is to motivate us. It's to get us moving so we don't experience spiritual atrophy. How many of you have been in the hospital a long time laying on your back? Yeah. And then you get up and you decide to run a, a marathon race, right? You can't do that. You can't do that. Why? You've been laying in bed for a long time and your muscles weaken by just laying there. And they've got all sorts of things now to help your muscles to stay in tune while you lay there. <laughs> but here's the thing. We can know all we want to know about chapters 1, 2, and 3... That's our doctrinal foundation, all the knowledge there. But if we aren't walking, what happens? We're not active. We need to be a people that have both the foundation and the function and the the action to living a Christian life. And that's what is really so special about Ephesians. The urgency of this walk is to get us moving so we don't experience spiritual atrophy. Um, we don't want to be inactive in, in walking with the Lord. 
We don't want to be inactive in serving Him. And we've said it in the past. You were saved, if you are saved, you are saved to what? Serve Him. Not just to, hey, hey, I got my ticket punched for heaven. No, serve Him in your area, in your neighborhood, in your local church, in your community. Serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It's also motivating us to take what we've been given, our position in Christ, which is Christ's righteousness. That's what our position is all about, Christ's righteousness. That's been put to our account, imputed to our account. And then we are to take it and then live it out. Live it out in our minds, but not to stop in our minds, but in our, in our hearts, in our hands, in our habits. Live it out. That's the idea behind what Paul is saying in the book of Ephesians. So the urgency is not about going fast. Gotta go, gotta go. No, the urgency is to what? Walk. Walk. My two-year-old grandson can walk. You know, we've got 80, 90-year-old people that can walk. And, and that's the idea. Start walking the Christian life. And notice what he says. In a, what? Look at the text. In a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Not just in a personal, designed, customized way for yourself. I get to walk this way. Because it's my, it's how I feel. You know, it feels good. To, no, it's according to God. It's a worthy walk. What is a worthy walk? It's according to the calling. What's the calling? It goes back to chapter 1. Okay? So read through these letters and understand. Here's how it connects. Okay? So, the urgency is not to go fast. It's rather simply to walk. Take one step at a time. It's an action verb. (laughs) And so, Paul tells us this walk looks like, and I've got three points that I want to share here. Number one is an upright walk. An upright walk. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've received. Now, make it an upright walk. It's what Christians are to practice. It's what we are to apply in our lives. Letter A in your outline, if you're following along there, is that we always aim our walk at our position in Christ. Are you saved? Then you are forgiven. You are then a child of God. That's your identity. Now walk that way. Make it a worthy walk, not a wasted walk. So many of us waste our lives. Everyone's walking, by the way, quote unquote walking. Everyone's walking, according you know, to what Paul's using this term as. Everyone walks. But how are you walking? How do I walk? How do you walk in this life as a, as a Christian? Okay? And you know what? We're, we're being called out of the, out of the, spectator stands and into the field of play to be active, to be walking. Okay? So, 
you make it a worthy walk. How do we make it a worthy walk? According to that calling. I am labeled in my position. I'm labeled as a Christian. Our world has taken that and tried to shoot holes in it or try to demean it or whatever. In the Bible, I'm labeled as a child of God. I am a child of God because of what he's done in my life. So therefore, am I living in that way? As a child of God, do I look like my father? Do I reflect those characteristics? Not perfectly, but is there a likeness there? Okay. It was a joy to take a picture with my son and his son. Yeah. Well, you know, it's real easy to see the, the likeness. There's father, there's son, and little grandson, or son, son. <laughs> so, you know, that's the idea for us as Christians, is have the likeness of our father in heaven. Is that the case for us? And, you know, the test is not here. The test is not here. As to our likeness in Christ, the test is where? At home. At work. In the crunch time. In the times that we don't want to be having to really love. <laughs> All those kind of things. So, that's the thing. Our goal in this walk that Paul mentioned is to match the position that we have with our practice. Here's the position I'm given out of grace. Now, is, is your practice, is my practice going to aim to match that position in Christ? If that's our desire, if that's our drive in life, that's good. Because that's what God wants. And He will supply the grace needed all the time as you continue moving in that way. Walking in that way. Letter B, always accompanied by his disposition. Whose disposition? Christ's disposition. Christ-like attitudes. Look at verse 2. It's with all, notice that it's with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So, our walk, it's an upright walk. It's always aimed at our position in Christ. And it's always accompanied by His disposition with the Christ-like attitudes. Humility is that Christ-like attitude that means lowering ourselves and regarding others as what? More important than ourselves. Philippians 2, verse 3. Okay? Humility was a despised characteristic in the Greco-Roman age. It was despised. That's only for who? In the Roman times, it's only for the slaves. That's, you know, you do what I say. And, but everyone else, the free society, they, no, pride, you know, oh, great, great spirited people, humility? No. Okay? Even John Wesley commented right in his writing stating that the Romans and the Greeks had no word for humility. As, as it was so foreign to their way of thinking. Okay? So humility. Now remember, each one of these characteristics, remember about Jesus. And so what do we remember about Jesus? Jesus, Philippians 2, humbled himself, made himself of no form, taking on the form of a servant, a bondservant. Humility. Okay? Gentleness. Gentleness. Simply put, strength. Not weakness. 
gentleness. Strength under control, gentleness. Okay? Um, some of you have horses. Yeah. And you don't have a wild horse, you have a broken horse. If you have a wild horse, you're going to have a hard time handling and doing anything. Why? He's, he's, he's not broken. <laughs> but a, a broken horse is just as strong as a wild horse. They've got a strength to them. The broken horse is one that is, you know, still got great strength. Okay? And so it is for you and I. You know, there's strength that we have, but are we harsh with others? Are we harsh with others at work? Are we harsh with others in our family? And when you get hurt, when you get hurt, do you lash out at others? Think about that. Young ladies in our hearing, please look for a gentleman in your life. A gentle man has a gentle heart. And number one, he, he needs to love Jesus first, not you. Okay? So, Please remember, you're looking for a gentleman, not a showman. Right? So, keep that in mind. Was Jesus gentle? No, Jesus did not lash out at others in revenge. But how often do I lash out like that? Or how often do you? But Jesus, you know, He did not demand His rights when others demeaned Him or others put Him down. He didn't demand His rights. He, he said, come unto me, all you who are, what? Weary and heavy laden. For I am gentle and humble of heart, or humble of spirit. So Jesus was gentle, okay? And then patience, the third one there on, in your outline. Patience. Here's the attitude of the heart that has learned more about waiting and about long-suffering. Enduring even negative circumstances. Because why? God, God's still in control. Even when ner- negative circumstances happen, we can s- still remember, you know, God's in control. I can, I can learn about patience. We don't like to learn about being patient. We have a hard time with that. We want it now. We're in a society that gives you it right now. You want that car, you got it right now. You want this, you got it right now. And we just, you know, it, it it goes against what, you know, the Bible is telling us here. Just learning about being patient. And especially, folks and friends here, being patient, especially in regards to how you relate to other people. That's what this is getting at. Don't just say, oh, I, 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 I've got patience and I've learned patience. Well, I want to see you in action with other people in a, in a difficult setting. How patient are you? Okay. Do you have a short fuse? Do you blow up easily on others? Is there a low tolerance level towards others? If so, you are not remembering the Lord's patience towards you. And that's the, that's the helpful thing in this. If I can remember the Lord's patience towards me, I can do a little bit better in learning about being patient towards others. 
because I still have my uh, lack of patience, my intolerance. I, I want to, I want something, you know, it's all, all the way we, you know, the, the different ways we are as people. We have a hard time being patient. So give thanks to God for his patience towards you, right? Jesus showed patience towards us. Okay. Secondly, it's an uplifting walk. Go from an upright walk in number one in your outline to number two in verses two and three again in Ephesians to it's an uplifting walk. Letter A, with love, bearing with love, bearing with one another in love and remembering this, trying to keep it practical here. Um, We understand the verses, you know, we've heard the verses before. I hope you've heard them about, you know, here's the new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you, said Jesus. Okay? And so we, we're familiar with that. But a lot of times in personal settings, guess what? I want to be the life changer in somebody else. You follow me? It's like I want to change someone's life. I want to make them into what I think they should be. Well, that doesn't demonstrate or display a lot of Christ-like love. I need to wait on God and... Remember, God's the one that does the work in my heart. God's the one that does the work in your heart. And we can be an encouragement to one another. Sure. But don't try to be the life changer in another person's life. Okay? We're not called to be changing them or rearranging them. We're called to love. You know, it's not going to be like God's going to say, well, how many people did you change, Woody? He's not going to ask that or look at that in my life. He's going to say, how did you love? How did you love? And now when we put it together, guess what happens? The community of Fallon can see, wow, this people really loves one another. Bearing with one another in love. Isn't that got a different sound to it than just saying loving one another? Hey, just love one another. No, bearing with one another says, hey, in the tough times. Here's forbearance, bearing with one another. Because remember, we know, we know it, you know it. Love is not feeling. Love is, according to the Bible, love is what? Sacrifice. Love is commitment. Love is seeking the best in another person's life. I do really well when it comes to, you know, conditionally speaking, I love you, man. I just love you. But that's conditionally speaking. How do you and I do unconditionally in those situations? God help us and God help us to grow to love people unconditionally. Okay? Because when we do, you know, people are going to see that. That's going to cause them to say, they're different. They're different. And so the Bible in all sorts of places says that your love in Philippians 1 may abound that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and discern, in discernment. And 2 Timothy 2 tells us to pursue love. Pursue it. It's not just going to come to you. you. You do it. You pursue it. You be active. In, that's a part of our walk. Okay, so it's an uplifting walk. Letter A was with love. Letter B is with diligence. Or eagerness. I like what the the uh, ESV version says. Eager to maintain what? 
the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. This is uplifting. This is uplifting for us as a body when we are eager, all of us, eager as believers to maintain what's already there. Do you notice that? It's not to say, hey, you have to whip up your own unity as your own congregation. No, it doesn't say that. It's in essence saying preserve or protect or maintain the unity of the spirit that's already there. Okay? It's because it's already there because God did the work of salvation for us. Okay? So, we're asked to uh, protect it, maintain it. The unity that already exists because of Jesus and His work. Show diligence in this aspect of life of our walk. And do so, look at what it says in verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 3. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, what? In the bond, like a chain, a link. In the bond of what? A peace. Okay? My friend, right now, today, this new day, this new month, this new year, do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with God? Just think that over. Are you at peace with God? If you do, you know, what I'm getting at is, are you saved? Because once we are once we have faith in Christ, we, have, we are justified. And we have Romans 5, 1. We have peace with God. And so, if you're saying you're a Christian, all of us ought to answer in our minds, yes, I have peace with God. Okay? And that's what helps drive, what? Unity in the body. Unity in the body. Why? Because of what we're standing on. Here's my position in Christ. Here's who I am in Christ. Okay? The bond aspect, that word bond, means that which keeps something together in the bond of peace. The bond that keeps the unity is peace. Peace with God allows me and allows us to have peace with each other. So the Christian walk must be on a good solid pathway to finish it up here. Uh, we said, here's, here's the upright walk. Here's the uplifting walk. And now, number three, it's an undergirded walk. An undergirded. It's undergirded by what? Look at what verse four st- starts with. Look at it. Follow along here. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Boy, that sounds like he's jumping back into chapters 1, 2, and 3 with doctrine. Okay? Live the Christian life based on these key doctrines. Live your life based on these. These are foundational beliefs. These are the, the stones that you walk upon as you walk in life. These doctrines. This is what we stand on. And this is what we as a, as a people of God rally around. That's, that's why that, that song, this is what I believe. Uh, what's the name of the song? The, I, I believe. This is a, we sang it. And, and when you sing it, you know what happens? 
it stirs up in your heart to say, yeah. And you know, when our folks this summer travel to India, or when any of us travel and go to other places and we meet other Christians, what happens? Wow, I've just met them and they're just like a brother, just like a sister. Why? Because we hold these truths as precious. Okay? And it's, it's you know, a lot of us want to have it like, well, we're a really unified group because we really love each other. We just are so good at loving each other. I like that. But you know what? It doesn't flow with what Paul is saying here. Really, what it's, Paul is getting at is that, hey, we have unity. Why? Because of our beliefs. And from that flows our love and our patience and our gentleness and our humility. It, it's based on belief. I know that can sound dry. You know, it's not like it doesn't tingle you or whatever. <laughs> but that's the way God laid it out. Okay? So, are we walking, understanding that there's one body, letter A, picturing the, picturing the human body that walks in a coordinated effort, that responds to one head, letter B, one spirit, his indwelling spirit. His spirit that indwells another Christian is the same spirit that indwells another Christian. And I know, it's sad that there's so many divisions and, and breaks within the body of Christ. But as God looks at it, here's, here's one body, a unified body. One body, one spirit, let her see, one hope of your calling, both in life and in death. I have a hope of this calling and this hope is really pointing to His return and His ultimate victory and eternal life with him that's the hope of our calling letter d one lord there's unity in the fact that there's one way of true salvation one way and only one acts chapter 4 verse 12 there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name given under heaven among by uh, by which men must be saved acts chapter 4 verse 12 So Paul is pointing these out. One body, one spirit, one hope of your calling, one Lord, and now letter E, one faith. Are we united in one faith? Or do we have different varieties of faith? No, one faith. One way of responding to the gospel message is through faith. Faith in the object of Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ. In our day and age, we have a lot of people saying, oh, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. But they fail to define what they have faith in. And if they have faith in a church, they're missing the boat. If they have faith in a system, they're missing the boat. We need to have faith in the person, the real, historical, living person of Jesus Christ. Okay? Letter F, one baptism. One beautiful expression of our salvation, being identified with Him and His work before others. And that's what I believe. This is talking not so much about spirit baptism, which I believe that's really salvation. 
But baptism here, one baptism means here's the waters of baptism. And I'll say it again. Some of you have not yet been baptized. What are you waiting for? You've not in front of others identified yourself with Jesus Christ. You can say it, but God's given us a way to picture it in death, burial, going under the water, and rising up again. It's a beautiful way. And by the way, (laughs) end of January, end of this month, we want to have a baptism service. So if you're interested, please talk to either Pastor Brennan or myself or call the office. Okay? We've got some people lined up already. They want to be baptized. You want, if you haven't been, you want to join them. Okay? And then letter G, one God and Father. The Lord our God is one. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 6. The Lord our God is one. We are united in His family. We are united as His children. We are united for His glory. Right? The Lord our God is one. There is no other God. So, this is about a worthy walk. We've raced through it here pretty quickly. And I want to encourage you about examining, as we take time to have communion, examine your heart. Ask God to shine the light of His Word on the issue of your walk. Is it a worthy walk? I'm not saying perfect. Is it a worthy walk? Worthy of the calling with which He's called you? And this is a time in your life and mine when we can say, Spirit of God, convict me of my sin. I want to confess to you my failure, my shortcomings, my selfishness, whatever it is. I want to confess to you, God. And I also want to rejoice in what you've done and proclaim it and confess that back to you. Thank you, God, for what you've done on my behalf The unity of the body at the very bottom of your outline. The unity of the body is best displayed upon this foundation of doctrine. That's that's what he's saying here. It's best displayed upon this foundation of doctrine. Then the next thing we would say is that the unity of the body is best expressed through the kind of walk you walk. The kind of walk we walk. And we've just said, here it is, an upright walk, an uplifting walk. And that involves love, patience, humility, gentleness. We need God's help in displaying this for the world to see. Just like lights shining. Lights shining. We want to be lights shining here in Fallon, Nevada. Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace.